Thank you guys for being here. We're going to conclude this trending series this morning, talking about how um, social media works itself out in the lives of believers and how we can responsibly use it and maybe guard ourselves against um, getting sucked into the trap of of letting it um, be a negative influence in our life and maybe through the way we use it being a negative influence to other people. And um, I want to ask you, um, after last week, have you been a little more aware of the words that you've used this past week? Have you uh, maybe uh, started to type something and then had a moment where you stopped and you just hit that delete button? And you went backwards and you got rid of it because you realized it, it didn't fit those three characteristics. What were those three things last week? That our words should build others up, right? They should be needful. And we talked about the difference between us wanting to say something and something needing to be said. And then the third thing was that our words should always be gracious. And so hopefully maybe this week and in the weeks to come... Um, I hope maybe especially this past week that those things have been on your mind and heart and that you've guarded yourself and um, you've um, allowed the Lord to, uh, to instruct you and help guide you. This week, we're going to wrap up by talking about how social media is trending our thinking. We've talked about our, our talk, we've talked about our truth, and we've talked about our time. And there's one thing that connects all of those things together. There's one thing that all three of the previous things that we've talked about have in common, and that is that all of those things start with our mind. All of those things are affected. All of those things come out of us and our behavior in regards to those things come from the way we think. They start, they start in our mind. What happens behind your eyes determines how things come out of us, right? Any action, any words that we speak, anything like that, it, it, it begins first with a thought. And so we have to begin to look, at, kind of step back at social media, and we're going to look at a little bigger picture today that maybe you haven't thought about so much. And I want you to think about the question, how is social media changing the way I think? How does it change the way I think about other people? How does it change my exposure to it and the way I use it? How does it change the way I see myself? How does it, how does it change the way I think about God? Um... And how does, it think, how does it shape the way I consider what's most important? How does it shape the way I think about priorities? Um, some of those answers may be good. You may say, well, well lots of the things that I engage with on social media um, change the way I think in a good way, and that's great. But we've got to know and understand it's obvious that there's so much potential out there for that to be bad, for that to go in the wrong direction. Because social media, we've already said, and I said from the very beginning, it's a great tool. It is a, a, a created thing that's been given to us to use. Um, but if we look at the platform 
and, and its place in the world, we have to acknowledge this, that the majority of the, of the content that we see on social media is driven by the world. Would you agree? The majority of the things that we see, the industry is driven by the world in their mindset. The, uh, the con- most of the content that we see is driven by the world. And so how do we as believers in the world, not of the world... How do we engage in social media in a way that it doesn't pollute our thinking? How do we make sure that, that what we're exposing ourselves to doesn't change the way we think and then even deeper than that change our, our hearts? So I want us to look at Colossians chapter 3 and I want us to look at just two verses this morning. But these two verses say a whole lot. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. And if you've got your Bible or your device or whatever it is, uh, open up and follow along with me. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So... That's just two verses. That's really short. But Paul is saying a whole lot when we, when we break that down together. So I want us to kind of take this and break it apart bit by bit. And there are three big thoughts or three, three things that I think Paul is trying to pull out. He's trying to, to share with the church that, that I think we can take for our lives and, and directly apply it to social media. But this also applies to just uh, everything in our life. Okay. So look at the first, number one, if you're writing, like to take notes, number one is this. He's telling us to remember who you are. Remember who you are. If we look at verse one, the very first words of verse one say, so if you have been raised with Christ. Now when he says, if you have been raised with Christ, he's not asking that as a question. He's saying that as a declarative statement. Um, you could also read and translate that as, as, as Paul saying, since you have been raised with Christ or because you've been raised with Christ. And we think about that imagery of being raised with Christ and we look at, at the scriptures and, and what we understand is that Jesus physically was dead, right? When he came, the incarnation, he came, he lived, he died a physical death and then the, on the third day he was what? He was raised to life. His physical body was raised to life. And so what happens with us when we put our faith in Christ, our spirits, not our physical bodies, but our spirits are dead. Scripture teaches that we are lifeless in our spirit. We we are dead in our sin and our trespasses. And when we are in Christ, there's a resurrection of our spirit. And so when Paul says you've been raised with Christ, he says the same way that Jesus' body was dead and it was raised to life, your spirit was dead. But once you were in Christ, your spirit was raised with Jesus. Your spirit was raised to life with Christ. There was this co-resurrection. Your spirit has been resurrected along with Jesus' body from death to life. You've been brought from death to life. And remember that. He starts out everything he says by saying, 
because this is true in your life. Galatians 2.20 says this, very familiar passage. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is another place where Paul is saying, my, 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 I've been crucified with Christ. My old man, the, the old person that I was, has, has, been, has hung on the cross and died. It's, he, he's dead. He no longer lives. And so the life that I live in this body, even though my body hasn't stopped living, there, were, there was a death of the old person and a new spirit has been raised up in me because of Jesus. New life in Jesus brings death to our old life. But yet we still live in, in the flesh, don't we? And Paul says there, the, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. He, he acknowledges, he says, I still live in the same body that I always lived in, but I don't li- it's not me living in it anymore. The, that resurrected new life that's in Christ is what lives in me now. It's Jesus living in me rather than me living in me. And that new life in Christ gives us freedom, right? What did we just sing about? What did Mandy just lead us in worship in? All of those things that we just sang about is, is what we're talking about here. That first half of verse 1 in Colossians 3, it's, it's, it's what Paul is saying, remember, remember all these things about yourself. If you've been raised with Christ, we're free from the flesh, we're free from the power of sin. The difference between you now, if you're a believer, and when you weren't a believer, is that you were bound to sin and there was nothing you could do about it. You were powerless to free yourself from it. You were literally chained to it. And it didn't matter how good you tried to be, there's no way you could escape it. But in Christ, through his death, through his resurrection, through the new life that he brings in us by faith, Paul talks about, we're freed from those chains. We're freed from sin and we're no longer bound to it, but we're given power because of Christ in us to be able to choose to reject it, to be able to to walk away from it, to be able to overcome it in our life. So if, if, if you're not a believer and you're trying to overcome sin in your life, good luck with that. It's not going to work. Because the only power that you have to overcome the power of sin in the world and the power of sin in you is Christ living in you by faith, like Paul is talking about here in Galatians 2.20. So he says in that first part of verse 1, remember who you are. Don't don't forget. And I'm afraid that sometimes we as believers behave and use social media in a way that, that we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten whose life lives in us. So... Um, I want you to look at another passage. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. Listen to this. Verse 3 says, His divine power, remember Christ in me, Christ's life living in me, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness, 
everything we need through the what? Knowledge of him. Where, where is your knowledge? Up here. It's in your mind. It's the way we think, right? Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, that divine nature of Christ that dwells in you. Your old nature is, is still there because you're still living in your body, but there's a divine nature that lives in you now. He says, so that you may share in the divine nature, look at this, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. There's a corruption that's in the world, amen? We look around and we see it. Without Christ, you can't escape it. There's no escaping it. But it says, he says here, through Christ, he's given us everything for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He's given us everything that we need to escape the corruption of the world. And that's because of Christ in us. That's not because of us. That's not because we're moral. That's not because we're really good people. It's the power of Christ living in us that gives us that. Um, something that we're really, really tempted to say sometimes when we fall into a world, worldly mindset of thinking or we fall into temptation or we're struggling with sin in our life, we say, I just can't help it. Have you ever caught yourself saying that? Maybe there's something that just really, you know, we, everybody has different uh, weaknesses, and maybe in the midst of struggling with that sin or weakness, maybe it's, maybe it's our attitude, maybe it's, it's, it could be so many different things, just name it. And you have, you, you have that mindset that goes, goes through your head that says, I, I can't help it. I just can't help it. And we write ourselves off, we excuse ourselves. If we're, if we're mean and hateful to people, well, I just, I just couldn't help it. Or if we fall into a particular temptation, say, I just, I just couldn't help it. That's not what Second Peter says. He's given us everything required for life and godliness, for escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desire. A believer should never succumb to sin and say, I couldn't help it. Because we're calling, we're calling, we're saying that what's in the scriptures a lie. If I blame, <laughs> I'm saying that I, God hasn't equipped me. God hasn't given me what I need to think the right way. Well, Peter says he has. Everything, he's given you everything you need to help it. So we can't, we can't step back and say, oh, well, I just couldn't help it. No, Peter says he, he's given you everything you need. So there's the first part of verse 1 in Colossians 3. If you have been raised with Christ, remember who you are. Remember the new life that lives in you, that you're not your own. It's not your life living in you anymore. It's Christ, okay? Here's number two. Once we remember who we are, who you are determines what you pursue. Who you are determines what you pursue. Look at verse one again. There's... The first part, so if you have been raised with Christ, that was remember who you are. Here's the second part, because of who you are, seek the things above where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. There's a, there's a cause and effect. Because you've been raised with Christ, it determines what you pursue, what you chase after, what you seek. And that word seek, when he says seek the things above, that's, uh, that should be translated also keep seeking continually. It's a, that, that tense there means that it's a nonstop thing. It's constantly happening. Always be seeking. And it's a command. It's a responsibility that we have as believers to continually be seeking. And what does he say that we should be seeking? The things where? Above? Hello, just making sure you're not sleeping on me. Above, seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. What does that sound like? Above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. What are you thinking about? Heaven, right? So Paul is telling us something about our pursuit. He says, because you're in Christ, seek, pursue, chase after the things above. Sounds a lot like heaven. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek first, what? The kingdom and the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, when Paul is trying to direct us to, to think eternally here. When we talk about heaven, what I'm, I'm not talking about, and I don't think Paul is talking about, think about heaven as in think about pearly gates and golden streets and seeing all your loved ones. Like those are, we should think about those things. But heaven is not, that, that's, he's not talking about the, the place necessarily. He's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the essence of what heaven is. Wouldn't you say that we oftentimes get preoccupied with the world so much that it distracts us from thinking eternally, right? I mean, some of us, some of us may think about heaven a lot or think about eternal things or the fact that, that the world is very temporary and what we have here is really short. But most of the time we don't make decisions like that's true. We make decisions like we're just going to be here forever and ever and ever. We, we're, we're thinking inside the, the boundaries of, of where we're living now and, we, and we're not thinking eternally. And the reason we don't think eternally is because we get preoccupied by the stuff we have here now, right? The, the, the things that we have, the, the stuff we enjoy. And those are good things. But I want to ask you a question. How would your life be different if your preoccupation for eternity distracted you from the world? What if it was the other way around? What if it wasn't the world that you spent most of your time seeking after and it distracted you from thinking eternally? What if you flipped the script and you were so preoccupied with the eternal And your mind was so set on the things above that it distracted you from worldly things. How different would your life be? How how would you prioritize things differently? 
I, I really think that is what Paul is trying to say here in verse 1. Seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Pursue eternal things. Think eternally. Stop thinking temporary. Stop thinking about earthly things. And think about what, what is ahead, what is eternal. Does what you follow and look at on social media distract you from the world? Or does it distract you from eternity? Just think about most of the stuff that you see. Most of the accounts that you follow. Whoever you follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, name it. Do the things that you see and engage with on social media, do they distract you from the world? Or do they distract you from eternity? Paul says we've got to keep our our mind, we've got to be seeking the eternal all the time. A preoccupation with what's eternal rather than what's in the world. So if we remember who we are, who we are determines what we pursue. Okay? You with me so far? All right, here's number three. What fills your mind will direct your pursuit. Now, this is verse 2. You see, that, you see there's a, a, a process here that I think he's, he's, he's trying to step-by-step step through. He says, first, remember who you are. If you're a believer, you're in Christ. Remember your identity in him. Because of your identity in him, that will determine what you, what you pursue, what direction, what are you seeking. You're going to be seeking things that are eternal, not things that are worldly, but then he says, how do you, and he answers the question, how do, you make sure that we, how do we make sure we do that if we're believers? How do we make sure that we can remember who we are and that we're pursuing things above rather than things that are here? The answer is verse 2. What fills your mind will direct your pursuit. Look at verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So if we're supposed to be seeking eternal things, what things should we be thinking about? Eternal things. If all we're thinking about are worldly things, guess what we're going to be chasing after? It just, it just makes sense. Um, that phrase in verse 2, set your minds, it, it literally translates think. Like, use, use your mind. Think as a continuous action. Again, the tense of that means to continually, nonstop, all the time. Not just, not just a one-time thing. Not just when you're in church. Always be thinking. Let your mind, set your mind, think on things above. Uh, the commentator John Lightfoot Put it this way, you must not only seek heaven, you must think heaven. Because there's a big connection there. There's a, there's a connection between what we fill our minds with, how we think, and what we pursue. What we chase after. Um, listen to Philippians 4, 8. This is, this is one we go to a lot when we, when we think about our thought life. 
Philippians 4, chapter 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. You know what? I want you to fill in. I want you to say that with me as we go through this. Whatever is true. Whatever is. Whatever is. Whatever is. Whatever is. Whatever is. If there's any moral excellence. And if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So if our preoccupation, what we're seeking after, is directed by the way we think, here in Philippians 4.8, there's a model for what are the things that we're supposed to be thinking about. What are the, what are the things that we should allow into our minds as believers? Things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. And whatever translation you may have may use some different words there. But that should be the content of our minds. That should be what we feed our thought life with. These things. Now, can you find these things on social media? Yeah. But you've got to look for them. <laughs> you've got to seek them. Right? And seeking is not something, when he says seek the things above, that doesn't mean just sit around and wait on it to come to you, does it? When we seek after eternal things, when we seek after the things of heaven, because we live in a corrupt, broken, sinful world, we've got to look for it. We've got to go after it and find it. And once we find it, hang on to it. If filling our thought life with the things of God fuel our pursuit of the kingdom, then filling our life with sin, thoughts of sin and temptation in the world are going to sabotage our pursuit, right? Because what you, what you set your mind to is going to direct your pursuit. What direction? What you're thinking about determines what direction you're pursuing. So all that makes sense, right? You with me so far? All right, so now, apply that to your habits on social media. So go back to that first question. How is social media trending the way I think? Do the things that I see, do the, do the accounts I follow, the people that I read, the resources that I, things that I watch. Are they those things like in Philippians 4, 8? Are they, are they things that are going to direct me toward eternal things? Or is what I'm filling my mind with on social media simply tying me more to the world? To think worldly, to think in the temporary rather than in the eternal and I think, unfortunately, it is changing the way we think. I, I, it, it, it can change the way I think. And I'm fully aware of that. I want you to think about people for a second. How does what you see on social media change the way you think about people? I'll just be honest. There are some folks that I have to stop reading their stuff on social media. 
You know why? It's not because I don't love you. It's because the things that I see you write and post starts changing the way I think about you. And so for me to for me to hold on to my love for you, I have to stop reading what you're saying. Because how I take it in will change the way I think about you. Does that make sense? The same thing's true for you. Have you found yourself changing the way you think about certain people based on what social media content they put out? Now, we're called to love, right? And sometimes, sometimes that makes it difficult. And so there is a way, and if, and if you don't know how, find one of us later and we'll help you. Say, well, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I don't want to unfriend them. You don't have to unfriend them. You can just set your social media where you don't see all the stuff they say. And that's, and, and that's not an insult all the time. It just depends on your heart. Like there's sometimes I, I'm like, I want to keep loving you. I want to think about you eternally. I want to think about you that way. But, it, 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 but sometimes it's really difficult. So I just I, I have to stop because it's affecting the way I think. Um, does, it, does, does what you experience on social media, does it cause you to regard people differently as well? Do you think about, do you put people on a pedestal because of what you see? Think of the, think of the opposite. Does it cause you to regard people more than you should? To, to honor or put more importance on some people rather than on other people? How does it change the way you think about people? How does it change the way you think about yourself? Every one of us are, at, at some point, have, have been victims to the game of comparison. And when we see social media content, it's very easy for us to look at somebody else's life. We've already talked about this before. And think they have it all together. And that changes the way we think about ourselves. But this passage in Colossians is, is a call for believers to remember that first point. Remember who you are. <laughs> that what you see, the highlight reel you see of other people's lives doesn't change who you are in the world. It doesn't change who you are in the eyes of God in the kingdom. But it can make us think that. It can make us think too highly of ourselves sometimes too, can it? It can cause us to regard ourselves uh, like we've said before. You post something, you get 200 likes on it, and you start getting a little cocky. Man, I must be the stuff. Everybody loves me. How does it, how does it change the way you think? Do you fall into the trap of trying to seek validation from people rather than to remember who God says you are in him. How does it affect the way you think? And it could be lots and lots of things. How does it affect the way you think about other people? How does it affect the way you think about yourself? And then thirdly, how does it change the way you think about sin? Because there's lots to look at. 
There's lots to read. There's lots to see. And it's so easy to, to let what we engage in online and social media feed our appetite for sin rather than starve it. If we're thinking eternally, we're remembering who we are in Christ, that we're no longer bound to sin. And that's what's so crazy about us as people. If, we've, if, you've, like if you've been in prison and chained to a wall and somebody comes and lets you out and, you're, and you can leave and go out free in the world, why in the world would you go back into that prison and put that shackle right back on your hand and stay there? Nobody's going to do that. But that's what so many of us tend to do when it comes to sin and temptation. Jesus, Paul has said that you've been freed. You've been raised with Christ. You've been freed from that. So why in the world are you going back to it? Why? It's, I know it's alluring and it's, and it's tempting. God doesn't bring that temptation into your life, though. James says that, right? Book of James says God doesn't bring temptation. He doesn't tempt. He can't be tempted. He doesn't tempt other people. But you know where James says that sin, that we're, we're, how when we're tempted, he says that we're drawn away by our own evil desires. Sometimes we like to blame the little devil on our shoulder for everything that we do. For every temptation that we succumb to, and we say, "Oh, it was, oh, it was his fault, or he made me do it, or all of those things." No, it, it was you. Now he put something in front of you that he knew was going to tempt you, but when it, when it came to making the choice to chase after that, that was you. That was me. I mean, you think about it in the garden. The serpent didn't pull the fruit off the tree and cram it in Eve's mouth, did he? He put her in, he, he showed it to her, saw his opportunity and said, hey, take a look at this. This looks really, really good. You know what caused her to take that fruit and eat it? Because she saw something that she liked and she wanted it. And she made that choice to take it. She had evil desires in her that caused her to do that. So we have to, we have to be aware We have to filter out things that we see and watch and engage in on social media that will cause us, that will cause those evil desires in us to, to raise up and, and grab hold of sinful things. Does it feed your appetite for sin or does it starve it? So what if, so what should I do, Eric? Like you've told us, like I get it. I get what the scriptures say. I get the potential for bad and the potential for how social media can change the way I think. And, and maybe I'm thinking right now, yeah, I can see some of those things. Some of those things that you're talking about. I struggle with some of that. What do I do? This is just for me. This isn't from the scriptures, but here's some ideas. 
to what you can do. All right, number one, pray, pray, pray. Bring that before the Lord. Pray and get in the scriptures. This is the only thing we can trust. The scriptures is the only thing that we can trust. If we want to be set and, and start to pursue eternal things, the eternal word is the first source of that. So pray and get in the word. Number two, put your phone down. Just put it down. When you feel that rising up in you and you, and you begin to think thoughts that you know you're not supposed to be thinking, just put it down. Just put it down. Time is that issue, right? You remember we talked about time at the very beginning of this? Just, just put it down. You, you, you can do it. I know it's hard. It is. It's hard for me, y'all. But you can do it. Put, just put your phone down. Separate yourself from it. Number three, find some accountability. That's the third thing you can do. If you struggle with something, find somebody that you trust that can hold you accountable for what you watch, what you see, what you engage in. Find somebody, like we said last week, who will hold you accountable to what content you put out there. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a struggle, especially for, for students. They may see something that's funny. Have you ever seen uh, this happen, or maybe this has happened to you? You see a video or a content that you think is funny, and you say, oh, I'm going to share that with everybody. You share it, you retweet it or something, but you didn't pay attention to what the account was that posted it in the first place. And then you find out that what you've shared is something that's tied to another social media account that's just pure filth. And, and you're like, wow, I didn't. And maybe somebody was, loved you enough to call you on it and say, hey, you might want to take that down because I know that video was funny. But the account that it's tied to is nasty. Find somebody who, who can help you. Find somebody that when you're struggling with it, you can say, and, and listen, I'll tell you, there are ways. And if you don't know how, again, any of our guys on staff know some of these things, and we can help you. I know for iPhone, and I know Android is, is likely the same way. There are restriction settings that you can put on your phone that will filter out a whole lot of content. And if you need somebody to be accountable... I can take my phone and I can set up restrictions for what I don't want to see and then I can hand it to somebody else and have them put a password in, in my phone that I don't know so I can't get in there and change it. Like there, there are ways to do that. There are ways to filter things and that, that's what I would say is number four. Unfollow and filter. Like use the resources. These tools are built into a lot of social media apps. We just don't know it or, or, or we don't go to the trouble because, like I said, seeking the kingdom. You have, to, you have to look to try to find them, but they're there. And there are ways that you can filter things out of, out of your content that you're seeing. The other thing is unfollow. It's okay to unfollow accounts. It's okay to unfollow people. If there are social media accounts or people that you follow that are corrupting your thinking, 
Quit following them. Just take them, take them off. Um, one of the first things that when, when my kids were introducing me to the world of TikTok, um, I just heard all these bad things about TikTok. And, and when I decided, you know, I need to be kind of informed, I downloaded it on my phone and I started watching videos on TikTok. And all kinds of, I was seeing lots of stuff that I didn't have any business seeing, much less my kids. And I thought, if this is what it is, no wonder it's so bad. But then it was one of my kids that said, Dad, you can tell TikTok that you don't want to see that stuff. I was like, really? He said, yeah. You just, if, if there's a video that somebody's using foul language or they're, they're being too sexual or inappropriate or whatever, you, you can you just hold your finger down on it, and there's a box that pops up, and there's a button that says, not interested. And you can hit that. And, and if you, if, when you first get an account, you're going to see some of that stuff. But if you will take the time, hold it down, nope, not interested in that, not interested in that, like it filters that stuff out. And so the stuff, I've noticed that. So every time I get, somebody goes on there and starts blah, 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 just foul language everywhere, oh, I'm not interested. Ladies being a little too saucy, you know, with their dances and their stuff, you know, not interested filters that stuff out there are tools that that you can do that with so unfollow and filter and then number five find new content like i said you have to seek it there is a lot of kingdom focused content on social media find it follow it fill your your news feed with those things but you have to be careful because like we've said before, just because it's got the name of Jesus on it or it says Christian doesn't mean that it's truth. So be careful. But, but fill your content. Fi- find out, search, find those pastors, those authors, those people who, who you know are good. You've never thought about following them on, so- on social media. You might listen to them on the radio or see them on TV Every one of them's got social media accounts. They've all got Twitters. They've all got Facebooks. Like, follow those guys because they're going to post content that's going to encourage you. They're going to post content pointing you toward eternity. So find good kingdom-focused content. And another way that, that you can do that is through music. Y'all know how I am about music. If you start to filter the music you listen to, and the music you're exposed to, see if it doesn't change the way you think. It absolutely will. Music is one of the most powerful things that, that affect the way we think. And so find, find good stuff. Music like we worship to this morning, if you go back and look up all these songs that we sang this morning, every one of them are going to reinforce that beginning of verse 1 if you've been raised with Christ, remember who you are. Fill your content with things that are going to tell you the truth about God, the truth about his word, the truth about who you are, the truth about the kingdom. So as we wrap up today and, and wrap up this series, remember we said at the very beginning that social media in and of itself isn't inherently good or evil. It's a tool, right? It's something... Um, that's been created 
to be used. And so I, I think I want to end with this question. We have to discern as believers, are we using social media as a tool for the kingdom or are we allowing social media to use us?